lunch at Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look at the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm, of course, always joined by my good friend, Cal Reader. Cal, how are we doing today? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm, I am I think I've started to say this the last couple of episodes, but I'm very excited for this one. This is um, Lum and Troy, Season 6, Episode 24, um, directed by Jim Reard and written by Brent Forrester. The original air date being May 14th, 1995, and the chalkboard gag is the First Amendment does not cover burping. As always, Cal... What's your um? What's your thoughts on this classic? It's like you said, it is a classic. It really is. I was man. It's I don't know. It's one of the early ones. I know it's we've we've had a lot of build up with with the bit of a sabbatical we've we've had, um. But it's 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 one when when we kind of mention about the classic period of the Simpsons, this is the one what one of the few is what like stands out. I just love the fact that you go into kind of like the mirror. Springfield, where everything's kind of uh, the same, but a little bit different. Same, same, but different, but same. And it's just good. It's interesting to see because we, we we obviously hear a lot of like the hatred for uh, for Shelbyville, but you know we don't actually see it that much. We do see it in later seasons where Shelbyville's actually kind of shown as actually the better place to live, and Springfield's kind of like. Where all the hicks live, and they go hoot 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 hoot. The, it is the shit like, old town. Yeah, that's what's funny. That's what I love about it. It's fucking it's brilliant. Yes, I mean season six, you're really hitting that home run of episode after episode after episode. This is truly the cream of the crop of um, the, what they call the golden age of Simpsons. And yeah, this was an absolute hoot to watch over again and again. We kick off with Marge lecturing Bart about the importance of town pride after Bart sort of losing faith in his town. And, you know, there is... This town has got a part of us all. Part of us all. Part of us all. And she's really... um, I don't know. I think that's always a sort of a generational divide. Like, I know in my town that my dad was once proud of where um, I grew up, and he's still got a bit of pride. But to me, it's just a small, basic town in the middle of England. There's nothing to really be that proud about. See, I think it's one of those things, though, like... As as you, when you grow up, you hate the place where you live, like you, you know it's it's not as good as way where, where you, you want to go. Especially if you go to uni in a different city like you did. I you know I've, I've lived in Sheffield all my life. Like um, I've lived other part around, around different parts of Sheffield. Don't get me wrong, but like I come from a very working class area and lived in the city. And then you know I look, I currently live back in a working class area, but I look you know I I, I love Sheffield. I think it's it's kind of where I've stood my own, and I've kind of and people come back because it's quite a big, you know, famous city. I'll you know I'll stick up for it, and I'll just say fuck you. You know, I used to live with somebody who who lived in Nottingham, and they used to rant at me and say all this stuff. What you know, Sheffield's not famous for anything. I was just like fuck it. The most famous thing you're famous for isn't actually from Nottingham. It's from Sheffield. Robin Hood of Loxley. Loxley's in fucking Sheffield, mate. Whoa. Best football team, Sheffield. You know, and it's 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 more it's is the thing what Simpsons should do is best. You insult the place you live at, no matter how much of a shithole it is. 
You're the I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know Robin Hood was from Chef originally. Yeah. There's a yeah. little plaque. It's, it's actually a dual carriageway now where Roxley is. It's not really an area. It just says where Chef, you know, where Robin Hood came from. But yeah, Robin Hood Roxley, and then he went down to uh, uh, went down south to Nottingham to rob people. Wow. Armed with Hendo's sauce under his arm. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Henderson's relish, it's not a sauce, you fucking... <laughs> oh, sorry, we don't get much sort of flavour in the middle of England here. You have to you have to let me off, come on, man. Well, I don't mind my, the town that I'm from, it's just more it's a stagnating place. It was once had its glory in the 80s and that, and now it's just sort of um, living off its um, former glory. Well, that's... Well, it's, it's, it's in a rule, if you think about it. It's like Sheffield. It's known for its steel, but... There's, there's like one in, there's one or two steel foundries left in Sheffield. So I was talking to one of my American friends the other day, and I just said Sheffield's kind of like Detroit, but with less meth and Robocop. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best way you can compare it. I never thought of it that way. That's very astute. Because <laughs> where all the steel mills, this is completely unrelated, but where all the steel mills used to be have been now turned into um, breweries and stuff, so there's a lot more pubs and shit. And obviously the music and festivals and stuff has brought up things. Anyway, that's just a rant about how great Sheffield is. It kind of shows about this this episode. Brought to you by the Sheffield yeah. Tourist Board. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> but Bart suddenly got this great sense of town pride once he realised, you know, Marge has instilled it into him. He sees Nelson um, fishing for the local trout and hucking it in cars and through uh, all other means. But then we reach the lemon tree, which happens to be the proper spine of the town and uh, the Shelbyvillian kids aren't putting up with any of it I will say I do like um, I think the storyboarding and the artists really did a number on this episode because everything about Shelbyville, Shelbyville looks completely different but again different but the same so you have their own bar their own mill house, their own big dumb bully types so you can identify which one's which and it's just oh, it's really, it's a really good watch even this is it. Visually. This is what. This is one of well, one or two cows. Fun facts. But, um, there isn't much this week, I'm afraid. But there's two. It says the establishments in Shelbyville mirror those of Springfield. Speedy Mart spoofs the Quickie Mart. Has an Asian looking Apu type character. Joe's is a parody of Moe's, and features a Joe. Uh, uh, features a Mo lookalike with a different hairstyle. Shelbyville Elementary is identical to Springfield Elementary and features Grand uh, Keeper, who is a female version of Willie. And uh, the writers want to have the Springfield children find an area of Springfield that was not decimated, and the animators designed a version of Springfield that was idyllic. They drew uh, several scenes of the children running through non-polluted streams and woodlands. The animators gave Shelbyville's uh, nature nature a more dark feeling in comparison to Springfield. So he wanted to make it look same but different kind of thing. Same, same but different. No, it was really, it is really enjoyable. The whole visuals of it and that the uh, Bart and the Shelby himself um start bickering back and forth like petty squabbling kid stuff. But I notice again, you rewatch this loads of times and you get every single, every little nuance through each time you're watching that. I just realised Martin pulls a sort of mean mugging face when he hits the second. Um, I know you are, but what my like is in what the fuck is this guy want? Like, you, I've never seen that from Martin, but just that little wrinkle of this little frown behind Bart. Like, what is he playing you off, mate? What is happening here? Like, 
square like on me mum, square up. Fucking great. But yeah, they sort of wear off the Shell Reveal kids initially. But then they all get some payback on those pesky Springfield kids. So they go and devise a plan. Which happens to be kidnapping, what I said before, the very spine of the lemon tree. Lemon tree growing. Lemon, yes. lemon, lemon napping. Lemon napping. It's a weird word. Lemon napping. Lemon napping, yes. It's kind of fun to say. Causing to a big lemon getting. Truly awful. Truly awful. Oh, before I completely skipped over, um, Grandpa explaining the whole rivalry and why um, the lemon is connected to Springfield and why it's a big part. Ah, dumb things never change. Hey, everybody, an old man's talking. Grandpa's the name. Did you know this tree dates back to frontier times? Shut up! With Shelbyville and uh, Jebediah Springfield. But it's whether or not it's true, though, because Jebediah was obviously a pirate. Yes, he was a true scoundrel. Mm. And now that's, again, it's just great dialogue, because, again, you always get the town overused, the worst town that are either inbred or they're yeah. always, uh, I don't know, it's like Gamora over there, you know, it's just truly awful. You married our cousins. Yes. <laughs> that's well. That's what we came all this way for, wasn't it? I like how that was his big um, driving factor behind it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I also like the made-up oh. words because Simpsons. Every now and then, you know, they're good at made-up words like um, "cromulent" and all that. Um, root mom. I think I've tried searching this. I can't really place it anywhere, but I guess root mom would be like a, I don't know, a sugary mush. But again, the fat of Jebediah. That's the third best thing to take pride in Springfield. Join me if you want to govern justly, live freely, and eat this fine plate thing I call root marm. But it, it is just like you said, it's just it's the whole um, city rivalry. And there's a, there's a saying that um, a comedian says in England where it says, um, Manchester, uh, people from Manchester hate people from Liverpool, and the only, uh, the only way uh, they'll come together is if they find someone from Yorkshire. So then it's Lancashire versus, uh, versus <laughs> Yorkshire. And then the only thing what brings them together is when some, a southerner comes up and it's north versus south and we're together, we're the north, we're the strong north. Um, it's grim up north. And the only thing what brings them together is when the Scottish person comes and then it's the English. The English <laughs> are just uh, we're strong together. You know, we're brothers in arms and all that stuff and we hate the fucking Scot. And then what didn't bring us together is when a French person comes along and it gets wider and wider and we'll only have true, you know, true world peace. It's uh, too true. Aliens come together and we're like, we're human, we're human. They realise the lemon tree stone, so they have to fight back. Bart comes up with a great excuse of his, um, well, it's not even an excuse, it's just Marge, she even says it, I choose to take those words literally because Bart's going to teach some kids this lesson because he's a tutor now. I will say um, I'm glad because in the later seasons, the writers seem to hastily write in Homer just any part will make him the focus point, even if it's, say, a Lisa episode. They try to write him in hard with all these jokes, but Homer sprinkled in within the boys' adventure, absolutely perfect use of him, in my opinion, yeah. As well as Marge just being the, well, doting mother in that and... 
she's you know taking faith a lot of faith in Bart in that. She's not disappointed, but she's just blindly following him because she's accepted uh, his idea of a uh, town pride. You know, oh, he's going to join a violence gang. Not even a gang, a violence gang. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's, just a, it's a strong episode for, for them all. I don't think Lisa's got much to do in this episode, but then Lisa can kind of be the weakest of them anyway. She's kind of seen in the background a lot when she's just um, flying a kite in between the uh, border of Shelbyville and yeah again that's again I thought that was great just um e- even when you're playing as um typical boys did just oh yeah we're soldiers we're taking this seriously there's a man down ah and then there's girls just playing in the background just oh we don't care about this territory here we're just gonna skip and skirt around like it just it's like on, it's, it's like on a school bus in it you can, you don't like certain years certain 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 positions and then you slowly you moved your way up to the back of the bus kind of thing. And then you realise you were that annoying at year seven. Yeah, look at how far I'd come. Now I get to shit on all of them. I get to sit on the stools at the back of assembly now. Big man. <laughs> See, we used to do this thing that, like, I think this, this is rivalry. It's just human nature just to hate the person. Like, with our primary school, we hated the year above us. And... Um, they obviously hated us, and then it goes up and up and up. But uh, we used to play. It was it was basically like a wall of death because in a primary school where it's it like, it like bulldog would just charge at each other and fight, and then would go back. And I didn't really want to fight. I couldn't really be bothered because I liked some of the people in the other year. So me and my mate was just like the entertainment. <laughs> when everyone kind of like set themselves up and separated, we'd just do all stupid jokes and just push people and stuff like that. Then we'd like go okay and start, and then everyone just fucking attack each other again. You were the ant, you were the ant in deck of the wall of death. Basically, you had to present it. You know, you had to do your cues, cut to commercial. <laughs> Bart leads Millhouse, Nelson, database Martin and Todd into battle. I like how it's even if it's for a very brief moment, he's laying out the old um, Vietnam storytelling. Okay, um, you're my best friend now, Millhouse. Martin's a smart guy. Nelson's the tough guy, and like you said. Rod's the religious guy that goes insane. That has to happen in every Vietnam film, doesn't it? Well, oh, yeah, so that every war film. Yeah. The religious guy just thinks it's not that much or I don't know. This is a trope, isn't it? I've got my own little fun fact, but this is more from what I've gathered from other podcasts and that. The database character, I'm happy to see him here. Um, Matt Groening absolutely hates him because of his voice. Like, he used him in Bart's Comet the once and... Um, didn't sit well with him, but the writers tried to swing in him to other episodes, just sort of troll and piss off Matt himself. But again, him sprinkled in here, I think it's great. In fact, I think this dynamic of these five characters works really well because, I don't know, what would it be normally? Bart, Milhouse, Nelson, Martin and a couple of the bullies, but with the inclusion of Todd and uh, Database, it's something different. Yeah, yeah. I think the, they need to do maybe that Maybe like Ralph or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. It kind of widens, makes more characters, and it makes it more feel, you know, like, yeah, I've got a bit of a group of friends. Uh, Matt Groening also called this episode a classic and said it was one of his favourites from the show. They go to track down all the boys there, and they split off into groups. Um, oh, I can't think of um, Barton Milhouse's name, but I know um, Database and Rod, Database and Todd, have got the cool Team Strike Force name. But, you know, the most memorable, 
the best group together are Martin and Nelson. Team Discovery Channel. Brilliant. And again, uh, you know what? This is our, this is my favourite bit of the show. Nelson and Martin together. What a combination. Working together. See, I think I do think uh, Nelson can be a very underrated character. Sometimes when he's wrote well, he's he, he can be hilarious, and it's not just playing on him being poor or with his dad or whatever. But it's I don't know. I think it's a very when he's done well, he's done well. Howdy! This is just a reminder that if you're enjoying the content so far, loving our podcast, loving the episode, go over to facebook.com and search for Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a British podcast, and give us a like there. We will update you on all of our exclusive content and posts as well. Also, if you're in the mood for a bit more Simpsons and more Simpsons podcasts, go over and check out the 411 folks on Facebook and SoundCloud as well. They do lots of great impressions, great analysis of the episodes, and it's generally a good time. And now back with your regularly scheduled listening. Again, another fun personal fact for people listening to this uh, podcast. Um, don't laugh, but I play Quidditch from time to time. And a way of promoting um, this sort of new league that was started up I made my own sort of uh, meme video, if you like, um, with Milhouse and uh, with Nelson and Martin, I should say. Um, I put my face on Martin and then I put my good friend um, Joe, if he's listening to this. Hello, Joe. This is a little shout out. I put his face on Nelson's. And the joke is pretty much that the team we were playing for, you know, we're all right, but we were never going to win outright. And then we picked two other teammates that were basically the bullies. And then my teammate Joe saves me from it. and. Is a lot again. That's just a great scene, and that, and it got a good amount of clicks there, and I'm quite proud of that. In fact, I'll stick that on the Facebook page so people look out for that in context um, when this gets released. But that is another one of my favourite personal scenes. Spring forth, brilliant protector, and save me. I believe the scene with the um, lemon tree in the car lot um, is very similar. To, it's very Mad Max. In fact, I think that's what's trying to um, replicate the very Mad Max vibe of the. Dirty vagrants looking after something that's so precious in a postmodern world, or you know the very focus of a kid's world. Like they say, it's the backbone of their economy. Yeah, it's very um, Red Dawn, I think it's called. This is basically Russian. Uh, at the time, it was Russian. They did remake it where originally it was Korea, but then the um, the CGI North Korean flags out and made it just some non-disclosed country. Um, basically invades a small town and it's just like a small team of like teenagers basically go and try and protect it and stuff like that. It's also very reminiscent of just, I don't know, just little, would they, you know, a small team just uh, in enemy territory trying to blend that, in. You know what, that is a banging comparison actually. I never thought of it as a little red dawn, but yeah, yeah. it is because you've got young men having a Take back what's theirs, and, that. and yeah, that's a cracking mm-hmm. comparison. It's all right, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, but yeah, a little bit like um, they live, but that's more just one person, isn't it? Really, the boys are about to you know jump forth and take back what's theirs, but the parents have followed them there in Flanders's RV. Oh, again, I keep nipping over stuff, of course. Um, but the little pre meet up when they have to try and get the boys back in Shelbyville. Kirk with a great line as well. Oh, I'm sick of those Shelby villains. And Luann is Mrs. Nixon. Honey, I'm from Shelbyville. And it tears me up inside. <laughs> a 
again, that's what another straw before the Cowboys' back's going to break, like the season after that, and they split up. Was it the yeah, season after? See, I don't. Such a I, horrible I, relationship. Yeah. The thing is about these episodes, I think I don't know if it's just because they got showed so commonly over here. You don't you don't realize how old they are when they broke up and stuff. When it's like ninety six, ninety seven, and. There's one or two. There's one or two quotes with it where, it's, where Kurt goes, um, "I uh, if I could go back in time, then maybe I would marry somebody who doesn't look exactly like me." <laughs> <laughs> They're about to stop the boys when they realise that oh, they've had the lemon tree stolen. Cuts Homer in the middle of his tracks, and he meets Homer meets the Shelbyville equivalent of him with um, I think he's a bit fatter, but he's got more hair than that. I love the voice on this guy. I love the face on a. I love the voice on um, Shelbyville dad. Yeah, it's um, it's the guy who plays his dad. I can't. Uh, Shelby's dad. It was Hank. Hank Azaria, uh, and yeah. he's according to my information here, he's basing it off an actor called Walter Matthau. Yeah, who, he's like an old uh, actor. Done kind of kind of Stallone uh, originally based his performance for Homer on. Oh right, yeah. So, so it's kind of like a rip off of a rip off kind of thing. Yeah, I like. I, I think this is one of the best um, sort of single use characters they've had. I'm glad they've not brought him back because again, I think for me, it's not even what he says. It's just the voice. It's over Springfield. You lose. Blast in here and take it. You must be stupider than you look. Don't you get it, Springfield? It's over. You lose. Get out here, son. There's a doings a transpiring. Let's shut the gate and seal them in. Oh, you lousy Springfielder. You shake harder, boy. I love little weird voices and little odd one characters and that. Again, it's another sort of um, bow to the Springfield, uh, bow to the Simpsons harp, if you will. It's cracking. Other than Hank Scorpio, who's your one favourite one-off character? Oh, oh, that's on the spot there. Um... Oh, you know what? Lyle Langley. Lyle Langley. The snake oil salesman. I think just because, you know, it's Phil Hartman again. Just He could do no wrong, and that character's just perfect. Not even like he's that inherently evil. He's more scammy than that, but he's just very charismatic, and you're never going to see characters like that. No, I agree. He's very... Because it's, it's, it's... The thing is, though, with... With Phil Hartman, he always played the, the kind of same <laughs> rip-off kind of type of guys. Oh, but he was so good at it though, so you you never sort of called him out on it. Like, the family, the boys, they're retreating. They're very defeated. Uh, but Bart hatches a plan. Uh, actually makes a lot of sense now. Um, obviously because of the car. Lot. I never put this together that um, the driver was working for a car lot for a sort of lorry pickup service and that but yeah again it's just great writing following through and just making little um seeds planting little seeds and that because i never put two and two together they park up the rv and it gets towed back into the car lot very um very trojan horsey yeah so also my my favorite one-off character if I can't have hank it's got to be rex uh banner oh yes of course that's quite. It's just so funny. Uh, but yeah, the title references to Helen of Troy of Greek mythology, um, which kind of leads to the uh, 
you know, Trojan horse kind of thing. This is the allusion to the Trojan uh, War is further reinforced after using the illegally parts of these to sneak into the impound lot. Homer says no one in history has ever done anything this clever. Oh, of course he does. Of course he says that. You use the Trojan horse to sneak into Troy. They're nearly successful with the lemon tree when dogs appear out of nowhere. Homer's got a plan though. He's going to chuck meat at them. I love the foley work in this one scene. Even with the little gulping sound effect, I'll probably stick a couple in here. But the gulping sound effect and when the dog nearly pierces through the RV door with its head and the crackling sound. Like I want to know what sort of specific, what they had to crush up to get that effect because it's just perfect. Because you think of like a shitty caravan door and I think that's exactly what it'd sound like. It's so funny. Just a clunk straight away. He's got a taste for meat now. That's it. Again, back to uh, Shelby. He realises the alarm's gone off and they're about to make their escape. Yeah, I just love the voice. There's a dawn's a tray expiring. Seal them in. And we'll get to, I'll probably say my line of the show's a couple of minutes after that as well. Do you have your line of the show, Cal, uh, if any? I don't know. I think it's just the whole, at the beginning with uh, Shelbyville, where he's just like, yeah, so we can marry our cousins. And he goes, yes, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. What? <laughs> My favourite one-off sign, I can never find it on YouTube, it's so stupid. It's Homer and uh, Ned in the car, and he says something like, I can't remember it, I can't remember exactly, it is something like, um, something, it's something to do with Panther or something like that. A financial panther. Yeah, a financial planner, financial panther. Yeah, and Homer says, he might be this guy with Mr. Simpson, uh, you're way over budget. Get him, Sheba! (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that. Or when Homer becomes a fucking... There's that one, or when Homer Homer becomes a food critic and he asks Santa's little helper um, for a quote and he goes, rough. And he goes, you've been saying that all day. What about something different? He goes, chewy? Chewy? It's a little smiley face as well. It's great. I believe they're in season 12. So uh, through this generation, we will review them at some point, people. So uh, fingers crossed that soon. They make a successful uh, escape with the lemon tree intact. Although it's fucked half of um, Flanders uh, RV up. But he was able to easily afford it, according to Grandpa. Ah, now this was my favourite line from this episode from uh, Shelby's dad himself. Oh, you're lousy, Springfield. Shake harder, boy. And you actually seem to shake a little bit more ferociously as well, like father, like son. Oh, it's magic. And I suppose this happens a lot, just not in pop culture, but in history, I guess, with conflicts and that you get. It's like heroes write history. And, you know, they turned away the lemon tree because it was haunted. Let's have turnip juice. <laughs> it, no, it is true. It, I, and I said, um, it's true that, you know, it's, it's history is wrote by the uh, the winners of the wars and stuff like that. And it's all changed slightly. And I was, I was saying to like one of my mates, random dudes, chatting shit about fake histories and stuff. And we just bullshitting. 
John, I think. I said, he said, you always make, make the best history. I was just like, I'd make a history, I'd, I'd make the best history teacher ever. Because whatever I'd say, even if I'm chatting out my ass, whatever I'm saying, if anybody ever questioned me, I'd go, history's wrote by the winners, and I've already passed history, and that makes you a loser. Therefore, I am right. And then I'd rewrite history. <laughs> That's concrete. Absolutely concrete. Millhouse, what's that in Roman numerals? I'll tell you, Bart. But you really should end each transmission with the word over. Over. Correction. The only thing that's over is that transmission. <gasps> is this the untimely end of Millhouse? But Millhouse is my name. But I thought I was the only one. A pain I know all too well. So this is what it feels like when doves cry. Uh, and that's how we end the episode. The boys are victorious. They have the lemon tree back. Oh. Cow, I don't know about you, but this was a right roar from start to finish. No, I agree. It is, it's just peak Simpsons, really, when when it was on its high, its highs. And it just, it's probably one of the strong... Other than the Chili Peppers episode, it's probably my favourite one we've done so far. What would you give this... Uh, what ranking would you give it, then, out of our little special ranking system, each episode to episode? Um, I would do it... Three quarters of a full lemon tree. So it's just nipped the top the top quarter of it. A couple of lemons have gone off, left in Shelbyville. Ah, I see. It's still left over. Ah. Cal continues with these unconventional ranking systems, but if you can make it at home, sure, why not? It's a very, very, very high standard. For me, uh, I will go with five out of five Lemon-shaped rocks. Yeah, I can't... I genuinely can't fault this episode. I think everyone's used perfectly. Like I said, sprinkles of um, other characters and that. It's good to see um, minor characters like Database and Rod. Uh, Database and Todd get the rub. Um, Grandpa having his own little moment at the start as well. Being the knowledgeable uh, storyteller. Uh, just seeing the different side to Shelbyville that's more idyllic, like you said. Yeah, I can't fault it. Perfect episode, in my humble opinion. I agree. Very good episode. I think I don't know. I think the Chili Poppies one was probably my favourite as well. Oh, okay. All right. I just love that episode so much. So what's on, uh, what's on the books next week, then? On the books next week, um, I will give a little pull on our random episode generator, and we will find out soon. Ah, we're jumping right at the end of our limit, if you will. We're going with season 12's Tennis the Menace. I haven't seen that. I always think about that episode from time to time. I haven't seen it in ages. It's one with Wimbledon, isn't it? Mm, no, uh, they build a tennis court, I know that. Yeah, they end up going to Wimbledon. <laughs> it gets stupid at the end. I don't know if it's. I know. I know it's definitely a tennis tournament, but I we, again, we will find out if it's specifically we'll Wimbledon. Okay, if you can like and follow our Facebook page, that's Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Look on SoundCloud again for Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.